Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about how to create better, how to create better family, health, business, and self. And my guest today has an incredible story. From a racist incident at a park in Coquitlam to being the face of anti-Asian hate in Vancouver, Gina Chong embarked on a journey to make a difference in her community. She started up with the Asian Art and Culture Society and pushed forward to planning a multicultural festival in that very same park that incident happened. And it's called the BC Dumpling Festival. It is incredible. It is incredible, incredible, incredible. I was blown away. I went. I actually was walking distance to this park. Now, Gina advocates for anti-racism and promotes diversity and multiculturalism to ensure a safe community for her own two daughters and everyone else. I want to say, Gina, welcome to Lady's Kitchen Table. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to meet you. I've read about you. I like seeing you on social media and like I gotta talk to this woman. Your story is incredible. I am I, I have to say first of all, I'm so sorry that you went through that first incident. And and I applaud you for what you took from that and created. Because, you know, you aren't alone, right? There are people who face racism and and a lot of people ignore it. A lot of people don't talk about it. A lot of people uh, hold it as a grudge. And, and then, unfortunately, that t- results in other things. But you you took it. You embraced it. You, you made it something incredible uh, for not just you, not just your family, but for everyone. So I just want to say thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much. I, I, first of all, why don't you start by by sharing a little bit about you, who you are, who is, you know, hi, Gina. Oh, for sure. So um, I'm born and raised in Fort Moody. I've actually lived in the same house my entire life. I don't think many people could actually say that. Yeah, it's my parents. When I was born, my parents brought me from um Royal Columbian Hospital to this brand new house in Port Moody and no. the exact same age as me and I have lived here ever since I've never I've never left <laughs> I've never moved out once <laughs> and I ended wow. up buying it over from my parents so I I love the space that I'm in it's definitely home and this whole you know the Tri-Cities is my home it's my neighborhood that is incredible. You are so right. Not many people can say that they were born and raised and lived in their same house. Exactly. Like my brain, my brain is born, right? And all the people I know, I'm like, okay, they're similar almost. Like they bought their parents' house, but they didn't always live there. So incredible. Yeah. So I love the space I'm in. I love the community I'm in. Um, I run a photography uh video business in the Tri-Cities, well, in Metro Vancouver for over 20 years. It's called Butter Studios. Um, Lovely. I, I like I did, Butter. I oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, you know, I, I photographed hundreds and hundreds of weddings. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a passion of mine. It's it's something that I'll continue to do and always do. It's just It's just something that I absolutely love. And we have a studio in Port Moody as well, um, right across from Rocky Point Park. So we've been there oh, really? for, I think about 10 years and um, we're just in the process of moving location. So we're still going to be in Port Moody, but um, just off of St. John's. Okay. And um, and for the past five years, I've been doing real estate as well. So, I mean, I studied okay. urban planning at SFU and it's, it's something that's kind of a, a passion of mine. I, I, you know, focused in on housing in university. And I always said, you know, when I turn 40, I'm past there already. But when I, you know, when I get up there, I'm going to go back to real estate. And that's kind of what, what yeah. has happened. Oh, good for you. I, I see that you are passion driven and, and you then you achieve it. I love that so much. And, and having a plan, 
and I, I say this because I, I know that our listeners are, are driven women as well and, and men. And but just remembering when you have that target, you have something to to drive towards because otherwise wishes and dreams are kind of aimless. But if you have that target, you have something to drive forward towards. And I, I love that. Yeah, it was always good. in the books. It was always my plan <laughs> in the beginning. So, oh, so good, so good. Now, how did you go from there to creating the BC Dumpling Festival? Yeah, it's been such a wild ride in the past like mm-hmm. years. Um, I mean, even going back to the yeah, event that happened, like, I just want to touch upon this um over covid like i gained tons of weight and most people did right people are sitting at home and you know it's it's learning getting how to make bread <laughs> and my my daughter took a picture of me from behind i'm like oh my god how did this happen <laughs> like how did i gain all this weight <laughs> and so okay. i looked online and i'm like my weight at that time was uh considered obese and I'm like, this can't be. This is insane. And so I signed up for something called Noom. I don't know if you've ever heard of Noom. Oh, yes, I have heard of it. Yeah. yeah. So I signed up for Noom and I ended up, I, I followed the program. And within about, you know, six months, I lost 50 pounds. Like no. Six, yeah. I mean, wow. six months was about 40 pounds, 45 pounds. And then the last, you know, five pounds took a little bit longer. So um, it was kind of during that time where I'm like, okay, I need to get outside. I need to like lose some weight. I need to go for walks. And um, COVID was kind of, you know, people were just so sick of being at home all the time now, right? The world was opening up. People were starting to get outdoors. And Mm -hmm. so now this kind of brings us back to April of 2021. Right. And um, I was out there. I met a friend for a walk. It was kind of evening time. And the park was busy. Like there was tons of people around. And we just had started our walk and some lady just, you know, she came up and said, Hey, can you take a picture with my phone? And I, we kind of like, we're walking, we're like, Oh, sorry. You know, um, I, my thought in my head was I don't have hand sanitizer. So, and we just kind of got there. So we just kept on walking. And then she said in a really loud voice, you know, this COVID, it came from you. It came from your country. Go back to China. And we both looked at each other. We stopped. We turned around. Like we grabbed our phones and like, what did she just say? So we went back to her. We had to walk back to her. And I mean, people heard her say this because it wasn't just her wow. and us. Other people were around us at this time. And we brought out our phones and we're kind of like, what did you say to us? Can you repeat that? And, you know, after saying, you know, like kiss my ass and all this stuff, she goes, it's, it came from your country. It came from your country. And then at the very end of that video, you could hear a woman on a bench saying, stop being racist. We all bleed the same. So, I mean, there was a, you know, there was a person that actually, you know, like was supporting us and that said something about it, but we were just in stock. And so now we have this video and I'm kind of like, what do I do with this? Like, do I do anything? Like for me, I mean, we've. I've born a, I'm born and raised here. I experienced racism like as a kid in elementary school and throughout my life. There's many instances. And you're not from China. <laughs> well, no, my background is Persian. <laughs> yes. That's besides the point. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah. I mean, it was such a, it, it was wild that someone could say that, but I'm kind of like, why would you say that? Right? Like, What's the point of saying that? Um, well, the shots, were you were you mad? Were you sad? Like, did it make you cry? Like, did, like were you just more shocked? I think it was more shock than anything. And then it was kind of like, why? Who is this woman? Why would she say that? Funny thing is, I did find out who she was. Um, she is a VP of uh, like a biotech company in in U.S. Minister, and it kind of just blows my mind that someone in such a high position could say those type of things because maybe I thought okay it might just be like might be a mental health kind of thing I don't know and then you kind of hear her background and it's like wow that's you know she's a very educated woman um but I don't I don't know I don't know why something that would just come out of her mouth and she knew we were recording her so for her to even say like it can't it just it boggles it's one thing to say it without being recorded 
but it's another thing to say it when someone has a camera pointed at you. So that to me was kind of a shock. Um, Of course, you know, I decided to post it on my social media. It was just on my Facebook page. And from there, like, you know, friends commented and started taking news media outlets. And then like, it exploded, right? Like I woke up the next morning. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) everyone's talking about this video. And then of course, you know, um, Global contacted me and CTV and, and it just, yeah. It was two weeks of kind of like a little bit of a frenzy. I was kind of shocked about that because to me, it wasn't that it wasn't, it's not that it wasn't that big of a deal, but it wasn't like a, like there was no violence, right? Like I wasn't injured or anything like that. Um, I think it was just the right timing and just the right timing of what was going on in the States. And then all of a sudden you hear of, you know, people being attacked because, they were Asian, right? And, and all that. So when you were putting it on social, what was your reason behind? Like, was it just like awareness? Like what, what was it? What did you want to do with sharing it on social? Yeah. I think it was kind of just like, Oh, I can't believe this happened in my own community. I can't believe, like, I wish it would not happen to my children kind of a thing. Yeah. So I think it was probably just more like, awareness for people to know that there are people out there like that but it just I guess that whole like media frenzy about the anti-Asian hate stuff it really did fuel that kind of like fear in a lot of Asians at the time yeah right because like it got to the point where we didn't want our parents going outside for walks or going to the grocery store because we were scared it's gonna happen to them oh absolutely and and which is so sad it's just really sad that that is the case like no one should be scared to let any family member out of their house in in Canada for for one and uh, so did this woman did she ever reach out and apologize no 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 no. she never reached out Uh, I wonder if she saw it (laughs) well did it play on on television do you know when you were doing your media coverage Oh yeah. I mean, the, they, they covered her face of course. Um, but the video did play for sure on TV. So. Wow. Okay. So then what, what, what was next? What did you do next after this? Yeah. You didn't just dream up on the second day. I'm going to make a dumpling festival. No, 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 no. It didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen that way. So, you know, I kind of felt, so this was kind of like mid April and, um, I thought, okay, what can I do to speak out against this? I'm not good with words at all, but I'm good with visual. I mean, again, my background is photography. So what I did was I created an art project where I photographed friends and family in my community with racist words written on their face. And these are words that we grew up with. Um, And these are also words that, you know, Trump would be saying as well. And so I did this, um, this photography project and it was like a video montage and these are racist words, but then I also had kids come in with like words of hope and love mm. and peace and, you know, belonging and all that kind of stuff as well. And so I posted this on my social because I'm like, well, this is my way of speaking out against racism. And it got picked up by the media again. And so again, you know, doing TV interviews about Um, this and then Asian Heritage Month on the month of May. I think that was a really big deal, especially that year, just because everything that was happening. And so I was also interviewed by a guy named Alan Lau. Um, He's with Asian Global Press. Um, And he, you know, he came to interview me about the art project originally and about the incident that happened. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the very end of the interview, he came to me and said, you know, Coquitlam is a very multicultural um, city. And funny enough, there's no multicultural festivals in the community. And Alan's background is also, he was on the board of Coquitlam Heritage. So he basically said to me, listen, I've been thinking about doing this festival in Coquitlam for many years, but we've never really have gotten it off track. And so, um, what do you think about doing a multicultural festival? And the idea being, let's do a festival celebrating um, 
dumplings, right? Because I mean, dumplings is represented in all cultures. So I can't credit for this idea at all. I mean, this was something that was um, presented to me at that time. And I was kind of like, well, I know nothing about festivals. You know, (laughs) I'm just a mom. (laughs) I already have two other businesses. I have way too much on my plate. I, you know, I can't handle anything like this, right? (laughs) But what a fantastic idea. And so fantastic idea. Fantastic. I thought long and hard about it. And I thought, you know what? This doesn't need to be a big thing. It just needs to be this, you know, a small celebration of culture in this park in Coquitlam. And it's a way really to reclaim that park from this racist lady, right? Like it's just a way to uh, tie it all in, bring it all back and make sure people from all cultures are welcome, are welcome to come Mm -hmm. to this festival. And so what I did was I created um, a a small group of women. There was four of us. Um, I, we created this not-for-profit. I'm not going to say the name, Um, but we decided, okay, let's run with this festival idea. This is such a great idea. But going through this process of working with these women, probably for a good year. Now think about this. We already asked the city for a grant. We already put it out on social. We already had articles written about this festival. We had a year to plan it. Well, nothing was really done in one year, sadly. And sad to say, you know, we all kind of divvied up like our roles of what would be done at the festival. And when we came back together, this is now two months to the festival. And we didn't have sponsors. We didn't have vendors. We didn't have like... We wow. had nothing actually. It there was nothing. And so, you know, rightly so, these girls were like, we can't go ahead with this. We just can't. Wow. And I think the visioning was also we all had a different idea of what this festival would look like. And it wasn't a cohesive vision. And sad to say, I was booted out. I was kicked out of my own not-for-profit that I started. I am not joking. It just, oh my goodness, what an experience. That's crazy. Time of my life, I, you know, I was going a lot of personal problems. Like I had COVID, my kids got COVID. Now I'm being kicked out of this not for profit. Now my whole life was just crumbling because I'm like, I can't eat, sleep, do anything. Like I was in my lowest of lows of my low. Oh, I'm so sorry. Felt crazy. It was just crazy time for me. And, Fortunately, I have good people on my side. I had friends that are like, you could do this. You could get this going. You know, like you you have the resources to put this on. And I'm like, this festival is on in two and a half months. And how am I supposed to get this going? I don't even have a not-for-profit. I've lost my grant, like <laughs> everything. And so I kind of, I rolled out of bed. I picked myself up. I called people and I... <laughs> In two and a half months, we put together the first ever BC Dumpling Festival, which just wow. without mind. that committee, just you without that and and some other people pulled their thoughts yes. up and said, "We're going to do this. We're going to do this." So I created a new not for profit. That's Asian Arts and Culture Society. Our not for profit started June first of last year, so we're just wow. now over a year. Um, I have a fantastic board. Um, they're, they're super supportive and they're great. Alan, the guy that came up with the idea, he's on my board as well. And we, you know, we put this festival on. And so again, our first year, we didn't have big expectations. Think about this. We're just coming out of COVID, like barely any, any festivals were happening. And the festivals that did happen before all kind of were like, should we, shouldn't we? No one really right, knew what right. was going to happen. Um, so we're like, no, let's let's go ahead with it. The world is opening up. We need to do it. And so we were expecting maybe about 5,000 people. And we ended up, like on the day of the festival, I just walked the entire grounds of it, just completely floored. We had about 25,000 people that showed up. Like this was- So on your first event? On our first event. I oh had zero budget for advertising. I had no money. I had, you know, this is- so was, it, was it just social media sharing that you're doing? It event? was social media. 
I Instagram 10 times a day for those two months. Good for you. Good for you. What a yeah. great lesson you're teaching people. It's like, you know, like don't give up, don't give up and don't do it alone. Right. Like talk about what you are looking for, what you need, what you want to accomplish and it will get done. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. people you on your side blown away. But yeah, it was the first the first year blew me away. We had about ten dumpling vendors. We had ten food trucks. We had like over a hundred performers on stage. We had the kids zone, art zone, um, and we had about a hundred and I think for the first year, like a hundred eighty volunteers signed up. That and was had two, two months. Two months to pull that together. Yes, it was just it was crazy and thank god like everything went without a hitch there was no issues like it was it was great um the city loved it you know i mean the only the only complaint that we really saw was these lineups were crazy these lineups <laughs> dumplings and the dumpling guys were like we didn't know that there was going to be this many people we didn't bring enough food so every food truck sold out of food every dumpling vendor sold out of dumplings and they were all going back to their restaurants and to the supermarkets just picking up stuff all day long because there were hungry people and lineups <laughs> for two hours long and i'm like this is just insane like no one foresaw that at all and so of course this year with the uh, um you know 2023 bc dumpling festival um, we really wanted to make sure that it was a well-run festival. We yeah. had a lot more time to plan it. We had an amazing committee um, of all, we're all volunteers. Everyone doing the awesome. yeah. lineups were still crazy. I will say lineups were still a good crazy, thing. they were better. I mean, the lineups were moving and people were able to get some food from different vendors this time, which it, that was not the case last year. Um, I saw I saw people strategizing because the the beauty of being in line for a, a period of time is you make new friends. Yeah, and and I thought that was beautiful. That was part of my favorite part was you know meeting the people I was in line with, and I I learned so many strategies like you know people divided and conquered like you know, they came with you know three couples, all the couples would line up in different lineups and then they would meet up and share their food. Or, or whatever it was. And it was very well organized. So, so good on you. It was crazy busy. What was the number of turnouts for this year? I think we had about, 40, year? I think we had about 40,000 this year. At least. Yeah. It was, At, yeah, it, it was, was crazy from beginning to end. It was busy. And I mean, the pictures show it. Like when I compare the pictures from the first year to the second year, second year, just <laughs> blew away you away i know i yeah. have drone footage because i was yeah. doing some social media for fun and that's so crazy it was awesome thank you so much for for doing that like i can't like obviously you didn't have to pull this one off in two months but no but you <laughs> you had one under your belt and you're like okay we got this we can do this and how many vendors did you have this time yeah so we had about um we had 12 dumpling vendors. So we added in like the pierogi and we also added in house of ye, um, which is the gluten-free dumplings, which is so great. And then we had about 16 other like food trucks and other food vendors that were there. Um, there was about 46 uh, community vendor booths that we had. We had the kids zone, the art zone, 15 artists were on board. We had the Korean pavilion. I love we, that. Yeah. And that was different yeah. this year because, um, you know, we, we did the first year and we thought, okay, this is great, but what's going to make people come back for the second year? And so Ooh. what we decided was, why don't we celebrate a different country every year? And so, I mean, my background is Korean. So I'm like, okay, well, it has to be Korea first. I'm sorry, guys. You know, my whole board is Chinese, right? But I'm like, I'm Korean. It's going to be Korea this year. <laughs> and so, so we good. had the pavilion. Um, we had Korean performances on stage, which I thought was just so fantastic. Um, there are two Korean mandu vendors that were there. And they honestly blew everyone away. Like, 26,000 mandus were sold that day. Wow. Like, how is that? They, wow. They really sold out on her. Okay. Um, I'm sad that I was not one of those people who got to be in that line, but next time. Next time. Oh, you have, they're, they're both fantastic. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, this year was great because we had, you know, something more to celebrate in terms of, um, you know, culture and all that kind of stuff. And then next year we'll, we'll pick another country to, to kind of celebrate. We're, we're kind of working on a country right now, but I, I'm not going to disclose any information. Oh, so no teaser. I, a nice surprise for everybody at the end of the day. Um, but again, just to kind of highlight, um, you know, the, the different dumplings coming from that culture and then celebrating the cultural performances and artists and stuff like that as well. I, I love it. This is such a, a, a beautiful lesson to not just your own two daughters, but to, you know, our generation and the one, the ones around us, like not just the younger ones, but to the generation before us, like, like there's so many great lessons. And you have a book called The Lost Dumpling, and I'm pulling it up because yeah, we're so it. we're so, so proud of this book. It's 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 oh. so good. And being a former elementary school teacher, I, I the Lost Dumpling. So the the story is just beautiful, and it's this adorable little dumpling who gets lost at the festival and makes meets new other dumplings along the way and and you know the last line of the book just ties it all up so so beautifully it says we might be different dumplings but we're all the same inside and and then uh, your back page has you know like i think it's yeah five different types of dumplings from different cultures like it's so cool like from south asian to japanese to a european dumpling like like every culture has some form of dumpling. How yes. brilliant is, is your festival and this book? Now, I, I have to ask before we talk more about this book, and I know that you have so much more to share. What, like you just told us about your first event that you planned in two months, and then it was a crazy success because you thought 5,000 people, but 25,000 people came. And then this year was your second and had over 40,000 people at. A, I'm going to say with probably more than that, but what is a tip that you have for someone to grow or launch an event? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say just do it. <laughs> I think so many people just have it in their heads. And, you know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs as well. We think so much and then we think too much to the point of getting scared to do something. And yes, so analysis paralysis. Yeah. And it's just kind of just taking that step forward. I mean, I was like lunged into this. I was kind of pushed into this, um, that I felt like I had to just get it done. But even I, I could have after the incident and after I did my, um, my art project, I could have said, okay, that's it. I'm done. You know, like I'm not going to do anything else that I did my thing and that's it. But I don't know when opportunities come up, I have a hard time saying no. And I feel mm -hmm. like if it's a good idea, I need to run with this. And I knew it was a good idea. I knew it could potentially do well. Um, was I super scared in doing it? Of course, because I don't have mm -hmm. any background in planning festivals. Like I, I don't know how to deal with the city and grants and funding and all this kind of stuff. It's all complete new territory to me. And mm -hmm. so I think you just have to push yourself in it and then figure it out and just get Absolutely. it done. Yes. Right. What is the definition of an entrepreneur? It's someone who jumps off a cliff and builds the airplane on the way down. Yeah. So you just build an incredible festival on the way down <laughs> while taking care of business and family. Right. It, it is crazy. So what would you say are some of the best lessons you learned in your journey to date? Like if you had said, okay, these are the top three lessons yeah. I learned that someone else can run with so many different lessons um I think throughout the whole process I kind of like kept on asking like why like what why am I doing this why am I spending so much time on this why why am I sacrificing time with my children to do all this mm. and I thought about okay it's it's you know of course it's for them it's for their future it's for you know building a better community it's for my parents who I feel you know, I don't want them to be outside walking around and feeling un unsafe in the community. Um, but I think at the end of it, when I really thought about like the the main reasons of why yeah. I did it and, and everything was like community. It was community. It was relationships. And it was like connection and the feeling of belonging. Like all mm -hmm. of that kind of wrapped into one. 
because the people that I met along the way and the committee that we formed, like the the Dumpling Festival Committee, like we're all family now. We've all become such good friends. Good. And people have come from all walks of life, from all different areas, from all across Metro Vancouver. And they came to dedicate their time to doing something that's for the community. And not just my committee, but then now it's the outreach outreach to the volunteers and all those people that came on board that day to kind of help volunteer, you know, to also feel like they belong as part of a community. I know a lot of them made great friendships along the way. Um, so I think that was fantastic. And just, again, so many connections were made that I never would have been able to build these connections had I not gone through this whole process. So that, that's I, I a huge, a huge lesson. Um, I mean, oh, what other, like, I think going back to the failed group that I had, like yeah. maybe I, it's not that I feel like there was a lack of leadership, but there was just a lack of vision. Right. So, I mean, it's so important to share your vision with those around you. So people know what to expect. Because when no one has that vision, then you're kind of just like swimming, right? Like you just don't know what direction to go to. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that that to me was another big lesson um, is making sure that yeah, yeah. A, a vision that was shared. Absolutely. A vision that was shared um, and surrounding yourself with the right people, um, mm. people with the same kind of drive and tenacity and stuff as you. I, I really feel that that's so important because, you know, there's, I come from an entrepreneurial background. So I know what it takes to start up a business from nothing with no resources, with not like just from the bottom up and yeah. how difficult it is. All those sleepless nights, all those, you know, it's, it's a grueling process. And it boggles my mind that some people think that they could join, they could, you know, form a group or do something without putting the hard work in it. They just think, oh, I just want to put one hour a week and that's it. And they think something's going to grow out of that, but it, it's not. I mean, it takes so much time and dedication to build something. Nothing. And yep, then absolutely. you can reap the benefits later on when things are successful or when things are good. Yeah, maybe you can just dedicate a few hours a week or something like that. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. No, so good. You you brought up so many great things, right? That's your lessons, you know. But it is about community, connection, and belonging. That there has to be a vision, a shared vision. And that third one was surround yourself with like-minded people because it is already exhausting to fight the battle alone, but to to have to like re-explain it or motivate others to have your same passion, like that shouldn't be part of the battle plan. There should be people who have that same gumption and passion as you and they come alongside. That's that's who you want to be surrounded with. So good. That's so great. Now, there's a saying that tough times never last, but tough people do. And you've already shared so many great stories, so many great stories. Is there another one that you want to share, whether it's, it's your own entrepreneurial journey or just in, in building this incredible uh, dumpling festival that, you know, there's like other something like a big mistake that happened that you're like, oh, dear. But you learned so much from it that you could share with us. I can't say. And fortunate enough. I don't feel like there was any big mistakes along the way. We've, you know, I, I have a very strong board and a good group of people kind of guiding us, you know, leading us okay. along the way. I'd probably mm -hmm. say um, where the challenge for me is I come from such an entrepreneurial minded background. It's really hard and it's really, I, I was not like, I didn't know much about this not-for-profit world. And there's so much to know about running a not-for-profit. Yeah. Having a board and, you know, the votes and this and that. And, oh, my goodness, it's um, it's a learning process. And I'm, I'm learning along the way. I kind of just jumped into something without really understanding what this, this all is. Um, so 
I would say that has been definitely a challenge, but I'm up for it, right? Like I'm willing so to do this and, and I want to do um, good things with this not-for-profit. It's, it's my, it's my passion. It's my passion project. And I feel everything that I've done in my life kind of set me up for, so for creating this not-for-profit and then doing things with this not-for-profit, not just, I mean, there's the BC Dumpling Festival. That's, I mean, that to me is, you know, a big part of, you know, our, what we do is creating these multicultural events. Mm-hmm. Um, but with our not-for-profit, you know, we, we also did dumpling making events throughout the year, right? So last that year, we, so cool. we, we promoted our dumpling vendors and we had them come out and teach us how to make dumplings. And so I thought that was so fantastic that we could learn. I I would like to come. So how do we sign up for these things? (laughs) Yeah. And it it was, it's so great. Uh, We did it a lot at Outpost in Port Moody uh, because they have a really great space there. And it was just a way to connect with people in the community, to learn how to do something together. We all ate together as well. So it's just one of those community building kind of things, like on a much, much, much smaller scale. Um, But like you mentioned, you brought up the book. we donated these books to uh, the school district um, 43, so Coquitlam, Port Moody, Port Coquitlam. Uh, we also donated it to the school district in Maple Ridge and also Burnaby School District. So now we want to try to get it out to some of the other school districts around like Surrey, Richmond, Vancouver, because the messaging in these books, in this book, is just so, so amazing. We worked with a local author, um, Kristen Hepburn. And she's a dear friend of mine. And she did such an amazing job with writing the book, um, with illustrating it. I mean, she she did it all. We we worked together on the it's story. It's so cute. It's book. adorable. I love, and, I'm in love with this dumpling. I want it in like a, a plushy form so I can hug it. <laughs> well, we, we, we are getting plushies. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. So cute. <clears throat> and so. So what is next for the BC Dumpling Festival? So we just met with Tourism Richmond yesterday, actually, and we were touring some venues. So we will always have our big, you know, BC Dumpling Festival in Coquitlam at Town Centre Park. We love that park. We love the city. And we definitely want to. And the story behind the connection, right? The The connection connection is the why it happened. Yeah, exactly. So Richmond is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we are looking to do an event possibly um, end of February or um, early spring. And it would be more of like an indoor event. Uh, it would be ticketed. We're thinking kind of date night. This is a space where you could come. You could try all of the different dumplings. So have mm-hmm. a sample of dumplings and also maybe a pairing of um, like a soju or a makuli or a Sake and a, or, or and a cooking class. There should be like a like a cooking class station that you could sign up for. Different or even just like a, a not. We had the dumpling eating contest at the festival, which was fantastic. But this one maybe like a you know like the best tasting dumpling or something like that, right? right? So, but even learning how to make the dumplings, like how you have those uh, throughout the year, but having it there for date night, that's fun too. Oh yeah, I'm just saying I would sign yeah. up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this this is um, something that would be again new for us. It's totally new. It's a totally different way of doing it. Um, but we wanted to make it different from what we were doing out in Coquitlam, and we're we good. think Richmond is such a great market for that. And you know, to have the support from Tourism Richmond, I think is is so fantastic. fantastic. So that sounds that. amazing. And amazing. And is there any other books or anything else coming up? Yes. So we are working on our second book. We do want to make this into a book series. Um, I don't know if oh, any of you have so seen the dumpling characters, but they are so adorable. They are um, so adorable. <laughs> yes. So we are um we will be putting out another book and hopefully we can have it out by um by before Christmas uh this year. They are so adorable. Now, if someone wanted to buy one of these books, where would they go? Can, uh, they, buy it? Can they buy a book? We're still setting up. I have like a Squarespace <clears throat> site set up already, but uh, we're not 100% fully there yet. So let's let's wait a little bit longer. No, all good. 
I mean, they I, could they could message me. They could email me, and um, and I'll put them on a list. Very cool. I I was lucky to get one because um, I I don't call myself a social media influencer, but I I love that people reach out to me and ask me to eat at their restaurant for free and and just share one story or 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 they pay me to do something. But I I think I reached out to you to see if I could share about your event. And and you kind of gave me a cute little swag bag with this book in it, which I just love. And uh, the, the characters are beyond adorable. Like I said, I would just want to hug them, like each of them, even the little mustache. <laughs> They're just so cute. So cute. <laughs> but the lesson of, of, you know, yes, people may look different on the outside, but we're all the same on the inside. Um is is uh, something that I think should resonate in in every everywhere we go, and that our children learn it, that adults be reminded of it, because no one should have to be uh, faced with what you had gone through at that park. And again, so sorry that you had to go through that, but in so many ways, wow, look what happened from it! Incredible, so good, you know. Gina, if people wanted to find you, where is the best place for them to go? Yeah, so they could go to asianartsculture.ca uh, and it's uh, asianartsculture at gmail.com. Brilliant. I will have all of this in our show notes as well. And uh, I'm sure people can find you on Instagram or LinkedIn as well. Now, I'd love for you to share a quick tip because this podcast is all about how to create better, <laughs> which you are totally doing. You're creating a better community. And uh, so that's not the one I'm going to ask you to tell me your quick tip for because you just uh, blew us all away with this incredible festival that you've created for all of us to have a, a better community. So create better business. What's one tip you have for how to create better business? Oh, I would probably say just keep at it. I don't know. I I heard like you have to be the last person standing. <laughs> so just... <laughs> Keep on going and don't stop. You know, others will kind of fall off. And you, as long as you keep on at it, you're you're going to be up at the top. I love it. So good. So true. So true. Keep standing. <laughs> keep going. Keep like one inch at a time. Keep moving forward. Okay. How to create better health? Well, again, I lost 50 pounds. Um, and Amazing. Congratulations. Helped, thank you. And so what helped me was... Um, mm getting outdoors. It really was the biggest thing for me. And it was not so much for like losing the weight, but it was more so for my mental health. And so I live close to the Coquitlam Crunch and I had never done the crunch prior, but when I started the weight loss journey, I, I just went and then I kept on going. And then I started going every day. And then I started doing five rounds and then I started doing 10 rounds a day. <laughs> yeah. It, wow. Incredible. It was kind of just something it's now it's just habit and it's, it's mind numbing. I drop off the kids, park my car and I go, but it's, it's something that I need to do. I have to do it. If I miss a day, I feel really antsy. Wow. No, that's a good habit. A good life habit for sure. For health and mental health. How to create better family. One tip. Oh, what did I meet? Oh, okay. Oh, hold on. You skipped on health. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, no, no, we just did health. We just did health. You said just, oh, wait, no, just no. go outside. Oh, I was thinking um self. I wrote something for self, but family. Okay. Uh, let's see. I mean, spend the time with the people that you love. I, mm. you know, I really... It's not that I regret. I I feel like I have um, had a lot of times where I haven't been there for my kids a lot, just because being an entrepreneurial mom, like my yeah. work was my baby as well, and yeah. my kids are my baby too, and I I love them all. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I put work a little bit more priority than my kids, mm -hmm. and so that's something that I I, I shouldn't do. And I, my kids are now eight and ten, so I definitely um, they're at that age where you know, they're kind of now becoming a little bit more independent and they kind of don't want me to be around all the time. 
<laughs> I'm at that stage now they're pushing me away and I'm like what are you doing what's up <laughs> <laughs> yes and don't stop don't stop being in their in, in their presence like they just they need that and they they crave it even if they don't say it out loud do not stop being present and and just letting them know that you want to be with them like that's so important right they grew up so fast I know so yeah, fast oh, it's so crazy. good yeah just being present with our kids be like what you said prioritize that time to spend with them yeah so good because those are the most they will remember right is is those times with the family times one-on-one with you like a mommy daughter date or or that you were present at their concert or their performance or whatever it was those are the moments they will remember okay now and then you want to talk about this one how to create better self yay so this is my this is my ultimate favorite one um (laughs) i do a lot of solo travel and it kills me it i don't know i it bugs me when i talk to other moms and i'm like have you not gone on a trip on your own and they're all like no i would never even consider it or i haven't even thought about it Tell me more. What is this? Yeah, I mean, I I've loved travel since I don't know since I could travel really, and my parents have traveled almost all over the world. So I I think maybe I get that from them. But um, when I was eighteen, you know, I took a trip to Germany and I worked out there I was by yourself, by myself, and it was kind of just a little break from university at the time. And I came back with just such more clarity about life, about what I wanted to do and all that stuff. And ever since then, almost every year I went somewhere different by myself, you know? So this past or this year I went to Vietnam um, by myself, just, just take a trip, go, you know, I don't like planning these trips either. I kind of just get the plane and get the hotels and that's it. When I get there, I'm like, what do I feel like doing today? What do I feel like eating? Do I feel like going shopping? Should I go to a museum? Um, I like wandering cities without really having a plan. And then, you know, I'm like, well, I'll never get lost. I could just Google map it back. (laughs) That is so good. I I think this is the first time I've ever met someone who's done this or who's told me. Yes. I love it. That's crazy. So how long do you go away for? Um, I don't know. Like, seven to 14 days it just depends on where I go but I did Europe for two weeks good, on my for, own you. And good for you and, and when you're there do you ever think oh I wish they were all with me no never never no, I don't want to hear from anyone so <laughs> that is so good like my husband and I like sometimes like if we're away somewhere together whether it's like for a conference or I have a trade show or something and then, or we plan like a trip without the kids because we did this for every pregnancy that I had, like before the next baby was born, oh, yeah. him and I would go away together just to have him a and I time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I didn't know it's called something. And, and then we'd be like, oh, Abigail would love this or Justin would love this. And it's so weird. It's like, but you're right. It's like, it's. So true to have that. I've never done it by myself. I mean, I travel alone because of work. Mm. And that's kind of nice too. <laughs> but, but I've never like booked it just to go explore. That I, That is awesome. So what is your next adventure? Oh, I mean, I haven't thought about it. I would love to go to Greece. Um, I have never Beautiful. been there. And uh, another place I want to go to is Tokyo and Pusan in Korea. So there, wow. there are, I have a few other ones that I have on my list that I d- definitely need to get to. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. There's just something really freeing about it. And just, you know, you just kind of let go of any responsibilities, right? Like yeah. you get to be, you get to be alone with yourself and actually wow. enjoy that time. That is so powerful. I Seriously, that is so powerful. I love how you said you came back with more clarity and focus and what you want to be and do and who you are. So does your husband also take these trips on his own? Is, uh, is that something that he likes to do or, or not so much? Or he's it's, like, eh. it's ex-husband now. <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he does, he's from Singapore and Malaysia. So he's the type of guy that will just go back to where he knows, right? Because he has yeah. family 
So he'll go and visit family. Um, I don't think he would travel just for the sake of traveling, like to a different place to explore, where that's kind of my mandate is to make sure I go somewhere that is completely foreign to me and very different and somewhere where I could just, yeah, just see new things. I love it. I love it. And so I'm like, the people who are listening are like, okay, well, I don't know if I could do that, but I think you could start small. I think you could like drive on a road trip and go yes. check yourself into a bed and breakfast somewhere and just yes. chill, explore yeah. a new city. I That's think so women need to do it. I really wow. do. I'm, I'm such a proponent of solo travel. That's amazing. Okay. Do you want to know what my equivalent is of having me time? I take really long showers. Sometimes. <laughs> so not the same. So not the same. But I will say I, I get the greatest ideas in the shower. Interesting. So I know. It's just very, okay. I real shit. My kids are at that age where they don't barge into the bathroom anymore. Because, you know, when they're little, and you have absolutely zero privacy. So now, yeah, it's so weird. I, I, I like yours, your plan better. Like, take off to Tokyo or, or Greece much better than a long shower <laughs> yeah well you are incredible I just want to say Gina thank you so much for sharing your story your your passions and and just how inspiring you are from taking a, a, something that could have destroyed a person mentally and in, in so many ways but you made it into this incredible uh, fireworks of of embracing multiculturalism. So thank you. I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for for joining us in this awesome conversation of just resilience and connection and community and, and just being strong like strength stretch from within so that you can then help and pick up other people and that is what Gina you have done and you inspired me today so thank you Gina again and thank you to our listeners